Hi, Defenders. Welcome back to another episode of our read aloud of The Tale of Despero. Don't forget, you can find your reading response journal at bit.ly forward slash VDPS project journal. I hope you enjoy chapter 28 and 29 today. Chapter 28, To the Castle. Years passed. Mig spent them scrubbing the kettle and tending the sheep and cleaning the hut and collecting innumerable, uncountable, extremely painful clothes to the ear. In the evening, spring or winter, summer or fall, Mig stood in the field as the sun set, hoping the royal family would pass before her again. Gore, I would like to see that little princess another time, wouldn't I? And her little pony, too, with his tippy-toed feet. This hope, this wish, that she would see the princess again, was lodged deep in Mig's heart. Lodged firmly right next to it was the hope that she, Miggery Sow, could someday become a princess herself. The first of Mig's wishes were granted, in a roundabout way, when King Philip outlawed soup. The king's men were sent out to deliver the grim news and to, to collect from the people of the kingdom of Dor their kettles, their spoons, and their bowls. Reader, you know exactly how and why this law came to pass, so you would not be as surprised as Uncle was when, one Sunday, a soldier of the king knocked on the door of the hut that Mig and Uncle and the sheep shared and announced that soup was now against the law. How's that, said Uncle? By order of King Philip, repeated the soldier, I am sent here to tell you that soup has been outlawed in the kingdom of Dor. You will, by order of the king, never again consume soup, nor will you think of it or talk about it. And I, as one of the king's loyal servants, am here to take from you your spoons, your kettle, and your bowls. But that can't be, said Uncle. Nevertheless, it is. What'll we eat and what'll we eat it with? Cake, suggested the soldier, with a fork. And wouldn't that be lovely, said Uncle, if I could afford to eat cake? The shoulder shrugged. I'm only doing my duty. Please hand over your spoons, your bowls, and your kettle. Uncle grabbed hold of his beard. He let go of his beard and grabbed the hair on his head. Unbelievable, he shouted. I suppose next the king will be wanting my sheep and my girl, seeing those are the only possessions I have left. Do you own a girl, said the soldier? I do, said Uncle, a worthless one, but still she is mine. Ah, said the soldier, that I am afraid is against the law too. No human may own another in the kingdom of Dor. But I paid for her fair and square with a good laying hen and a handful of cigarettes and a blood red tablecloth. No matter, said the soldier, it is against the law to own another. Now you will hand her over to me, if you please, your spoons, your bowls, your kettle, and your girl. Or if you choose not to hand over these things, then you will come with me to be imprisoned in the castle's dungeon. Which will it be? And that is how Miggery Sow came to be sitting in a wagon full of superlated items next to a soldier of the king. Do you have parents? said the soldier. I will return you to them. Eh? A ma? shouted the soldier. Dead, said Mig. Your pa? shouted the soldier. I ain't seen him since he sold me. Right, I'll take you to the castle then. Gore, said Mig, looking around the wagon in confusion. You want me to paddle? To the castle, shouted the soldier. I'll take you to the castle. The castle? Where the itty-bitty princess lives? That's right. Gore, said Mig, I am to be a princess too someday. That's a fine dream, said the soldier. He clucked to the horse and tapped the reins and they took off. I'm happy to be going, said Mig, putting a hand up and gently touching one of her cauliflower ears. Might just as well be happy, seeing it doesn't make a difference to anyone but you if you are or not, said the soldier. We'll take you to the castle and they'll set you up fine. You will no longer be a slave. You will be a paid servant. Eh, said Mig. You will be a servant, shouted the soldier, not a slave. Gore, said Mig, satisfied. A servant I will be, not a slave. She was 12 years old. Her mother was dead. Her father had sold her. Her uncle, who wasn't her uncle at all, had clouded her until she was almost deaf. And she wanted more than anything to be a little princess wearing a golden crown and wearing, riding a high-stepping white horse. 
Reader, do you think it is a terrible thing to hope when there is really no reason to hope at all? Or is it, as the soldier said about happiness, something you might as well do, since in the end, it really makes no difference to anyone but you? Chapter 29. Start with the curtsy and finish with the thread. Migri Sow's luck continued. On her first day on the job as a castle servant, she was sent to deliver a spool of red thread to the princess. Mind, said the head of the serving staff, a dour woman named Louise, she is royalty, so you must make sure you curtsy. How's that? shouted Meg. You must curtsy, shouted Louise. Gore, said Meg. Yes, am She took the spool of thread from Louise and made her way up the golden stairs to the princess's room, talking to herself as she went. Here I am, off to see the princess, me, Miggery Sow, seeing the princess, up close and personal-like. And first off, I must curtsy because she is royalty. At the door of the princess's room, Meg had a sudden crisis of confidence. She stood a moment, clutching the spool of thread and muttering to herself. Now, how did that go, she said. Give the princess the thread and then curtsy? No, first the curtsy, then the thread. That's it. Gore, that's right. That's the order. Start with the curtsy and finish with the thread. She knocked on the princess's door. Enter, said the pink. Meg, hearing nothing, knocked again. Enter, said the pink. And Meg, still hearing nothing, knocked yet again. Maybe, she said to herself, the princess ain't home. But then the door was flung wide open, and there was the princess herself, staring right at Miggery Sow. Gore, said Meg, her mouth hanging open. Hello, said the pea. Are you the new serving maid? Have you brought me my thread? Curtsy, I must, shouted Meg. She gathered her skirts, dropped the spool of thread, stuck a foot out, stepped on the spool, rocked back and forth for what seemed like quite a long time, both to the watching princess and the rocking Meg, and finally fell to the floor with a miggish thud. Whoopsie, said Miggery Sow. The pea could not help it. She laughed. That's all right, she said to Meg, shaking her head. It's the spirit of the thing that counts. How's that? shouted Meg. It's the spirit of the thing that counts, shouted Pete. Thank you, miss, said Meg. She slowly got to her feet. She looked at the princess. She looked down at the floor. First the curtsy and then the thread, Meg muttered. Pardon, said the pea. Gore, said Meg, the thread. She dropped to her hands and knees to locate the spool of thread. When she found it, she stood back up and offered it to Pete. I brought you your thread, didn't I? Lovely, said the princess as she took the thread from Meg. Thank you so much. I cannot seem to hold on to a spool of red thread. Everyone I have seems to disappear somehow. Are you making a thing? Asked Meg, squinting at the cloth in the pea's hand. I am making a history of the world. My world, said Pea, in tapestry. See, here's my father, the king, and he's playing the guitar because that is something he loves to do and he does quite well. And here's my mother, the queen, and she is eating soup because she loves soup. Soup, gore, that's against the law. Yes, said Princess. My father outlawed it because my mother died while she was eating it. Your ma's dead? Yes, said the pea. She died just last month. She bit her bottom lip to stop it from trembling. Ain't that the thing, said Nick. My ma's dead too. How old were you when she died? Bold was I, said Nick, taking a step back. I'm sorry then. No, no, how old? How old were you, shouted the pea. Six, said Nick. I'm sorry, said the princess. She gave Meg a quick, deep look of sympathy. How old are you now? Twelve years. So am I, said the princess. We're the same age. What is your name? She shouted. Miggery, Miggery Sal, but most just calls me Mig. And I saw you once before, princess. You passed by me on a little white horse. On my birthday it was, and I was in the field with Uncle Sheep, and it was sunset time. Did I wave to you, asked the princess? Eh? Did I wave, shouted the pea. Yes, nodded Mig. But you didn't wave back, said the princess. I did, said Meg, only you didn't see. Someday I will sit on a little white horse and wear a crown and wave. Someday, said Meg, and she put up a hand to touch her left ear. 
I will be a princess too. Really? said the pea. And she gave Meg another deep look, but said nothing else. When Meg finally went back down the stairs, Louise was waiting for her. How long, she roared, did it take you to deliver a spool of thread to the princess? Too long, guessed Meg. That's right, said Louise, and she gave Meg a good cloud to the ear. You are not destined to be one of our star servants. That is already abundantly clear. No, ma'am, said Meg, but that's all right, though, because I aim to be a princess. You a princess? Don't make me laugh. This reader was a little joke on Louise's part because she was not a person who laughed ever, not even at a notion as ridiculous as Miggery Sow becoming princess.